Thank you for joining us for Bread of Life. Bread of Life is sponsored by Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise. To contact us, please call 331-4096. That number again is 331-4096. And now, here is our speaker, Joel Van Hoogen of Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise. In our last broadcast, we considered the importance of praying for the servant of God who is facing discouragement and facing the great shadows of death. Paul says that at one time he despaired of life itself, and then he asked for the local church to pray for him. We must make it our calling to pray for those who labor around the world, bringing the gospel into the deep valleys of death. And now, today, we learn that in those valleys, we must also pray that they might have boldness. Encouragement? Yes. Courage. Courage as well. The other one is praying for a bold and clear proclamation. Go to Ephesians chapter 6. Number four, praying for a bold and clear proclamation. Ephesians 6, verses 18 through 20. Pray at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And also for me. Pray for me, that the words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. A few weeks ago, we read a different passage in 1 Corinthians where Paul talks about the fact that he came before people with much fear and trembling. And I pointed out to you that I didn't think that Paul was on that occasion expressing fear and trembling for people, but he was afraid, he was trembling, because there was a certain awe that was over Paul that he would present the word of God, but he would not present it under the authority and power of God, that he would be speaking it in his own skill, in his own ability. And so Paul is not there speaking of his fear of man, but his reverence and awe and fear of God, trembling that what he said would be spoken only in the power of the Holy Spirit. And I think that actually is the right view of that passage. But this passage that we've just read in Ephesians reveals to us something about Paul that we have to see here. Paul does not consider himself to be a naturally courageous proclaimer of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Most of us are not. None of us should be. Any natural courage has no supernatural power. God, if he wants to use us in evangelism, first has to strip us of all of our natural boldness and all of our natural courage so that we feel the fear of what is before us in the antagonism of the demonic realities, in the realities of the rebellious, resistant hearts of men. God, in a sense, removes for us this barrier of natural courage before the great resistance that we face, and He makes us fear the failure of relationships and the failure of rejection and the failure of the enemy poised against us. He puts us for a moment where He put Peter when he was outside the courtyard when the Lord Jesus was being tried by the Sanhedrin, and He puts us around the fire of those who are speaking ill of us, where the impulse of our flesh would be to deny Christ instead of decide and determine to identify with Him. And He does all of this in order that we might find a boldness that is beyond ourselves. 
a boldness that is given to us in the midst of our natural fears by the power of the Holy Spirit. We who would serve in the power of the Spirit must regularly find the need for supernatural boldness in the face of our natural weakness. And so God exposes us to those things. And while we pray for boldness and the opportunity in this work, we have to remember the way that the Spirit will come against the forgotten workers around the world. We have to pray, oh God, for them. In the face of all the resistance that comes against them, God, we thank you for these things. Now grant them boldness. It's a very interesting thing to me that when you work with people who labor in places where there is outright resistance to the gospel, where there is clear and direct persecution of believers and Christian workers, that they don't ask us to actually pray for their protection. The thing that they ask us to pray for over and over again is boldness, courage against that resistance, supernatural power, and bring forward the gospel. We pray the same thing for ourselves. Also, when we pray for individuals in this way, Paul reminds us in this place, I am an ambassador in chains. That phrase is kind of a key phrase. It's easy when you face resistance to the gospel to begin redefining what the gospel is and to begin laying out your idea of what the gospel is or the message is in less threatening lines. It's easy when you see that the gospel of Jesus Christ, this proclamation that men are dead in their sins, they're under the wrath and judgment of God because of their sins, but God has sent his son to die for your sins in your place. There's nothing you can do in your good works to save yourself. Not one thing, but if you would look to him and believe in him and trust in him, he'll apply his sacrifice to you on your behalf. He'll forgive you. He'll cleanse you. You'll be made right with God. He'll forgive you and you'll have a relationship with him. It's easy when you see how resistant the world is to such a message to decide instead to go about preaching the gospel of education or the gospel of social uplift and order or the gospel of clean water and better sanitation or the gospel of family priorities or of politeness or the gospel of political change. But Paul here in this passage reminds himself and us in the midst of his challenges in the midst of these things that are coming against him, after just reminding those that he's speaking to that they wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers in dark places, Paul reminds himself that he is an ambassador. And an ambassador goes forward not to represent himself, but his king, and not to deliver his own preferred messages, but the message that the king considers is of utmost importance. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 5, Paul tells us that in times past, he has delivered that message of the king. He says, Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preached to you, and of which you also received, and in which also you stand, and by which you are saved, if you hold fast to the word that I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of utmost importance, of a first importance, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. That He was buried and that He was raised on the third day according to the Scripture. And that He appeared to Peter or Cephas and the Twelve and to the Apostles and the 500 brethren. And He goes on to list 
a number of those he appeared to, including James and last of all myself. Christ died for our sins. Christ was buried. He was dead. Christ rose again from the dead. We are his witnesses. We've seen it. It's happened. It's taken place. Actually, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. In verses 20 and 21, Paul tells what is the ambassador's primary application to that wonderful gospel. Christ has died for your sins. He's risen from the grave. He's been witnessed. It's a fact in history, but it's something you can place your faith upon. What's the application for the ambassador? He writes in verse 20, Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were making His appeal through us. We beg you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. He made Him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, so that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. He made him who knew no sin to become our sin so that we might be covered completely and fully before God with his own righteousness. And as a result, through faith, we are reconciled with the holy God. Reconciled. Brought into relationship with him. With the God of all creation. That is our message. This last week I was reading a little book that was written by two missionaries, Mildred Cable and Francesca French. In 1935, there were missionaries to Mongolia. This would be before all the missionaries were kicked out of China. And they wrote a little book called Ambassadors for Christ. I want to read to you a quote from it. I thought the quote was so wonderful that I typed it up on my phone, because all I had, and I sent it out to a number of my friends. To Christ's ambassador, there is no ambiguous objective. He is told to preach, to teach, and to beseech men in Christ's stead to be reconciled to God. He has been sent where warfare is active between his king and the usurper who is called the prince of this world. He is authorized to declare the freedom of all captives who turn from the power of Satan to God, to declare the remission of sins, to hasten the coming of Christ's kingdom and the accomplishment of his will on the earth. Preaching, teaching, and baptism are but means to this end. And as he preaches and teaches, and baptizes, many things will incidentally happen. Superstitions will lose their power. A new standard of morality will appear. The value of life will be recognized. Slavery will go. The sick and the infirmed will be cared for. Women will take their rightful place in society. Child life will assume a new importance. And even illiteracy will vanish. Put the objective right, and all these things will happen in due order. But make any one of them an objective, and no radical reform will take place. Civilization may appear, but civilization which drives away the tiger will breed the fox. In other words, give yourself completely and faithfully and fully to the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ another in your stead, dying in your place, risen for your life, ready to forgive and reconcile you to God and transform you from the inside out. And once He does, oh, once He does, what a difference He makes in your life, what a difference He makes in your family, what a difference He makes in your community, what a difference He makes in your nation. Don't be distracted! Pray for boldness. 
prayed for opportunity to proclaim the message he's given you. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we have come through an active political season. A lot of people haven't got what they were hoping for. A lot of other people have. But it's not ultimately what we need. It's not what our nation needs. It's not what the world needs. Oh God, what we need is a church awakened to its message and its role as ambassadors of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. A church seeking your face to raise up more to go out with this message to the ends of the earth and more to go boldly within our own communities. A church, oh God, united in this purpose above all things. A church, oh God, ready to face death and difficulty and discouragement and despair and to continue on faithful in order that blessings may abound to many. A church, dear God, that in the face of resistance, in the face of a climate that seems to militate against such a work and ministry that would pray for and seek to lay hold of supernatural boldness and the proclamation the simple, clear proclamation of reconciliation through the Son. The Son who has died and risen. Who is coming again, once again, to reign. You've been listening to The Bread of Life, a ministry of the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. For a copy of this broadcast, just call us at 208-331-4096. Until our next time, God bless you.